0: And welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rees, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going to take a look at two particularly eerie real-life ghost stories both of which were experienced by multiple independent witnesses, but one of which was found to be the work of pranksters. It was not paranormal in nature at all. But the other one was not. The people who experienced it maintained that it was genuine, and if you choose to believe the facts of the story, maybe you will also consider this to be A genuine case of paranormal activity. Now, both of these tales take place in the north of Wales, in the town of Wrexham, or one of them is just outside Wrexham. And... As I record this episode, Wrexham is making lots of headlines for being home to the world's most talked about football team. Thanks to their new owners and the wonderful viral videos they are put in on social media. But back in the 1800s, Wrexham wasn't so well known for its football team because, well, because it didn't have one for a large part of it. But in the early days of the football team in the late 1800s, It was also known for its ghost sightings. Now, both of the tales in this episode I discovered while researching my book, Ghosts of Wales, Accounts from the Victorian Archives. And I won't bore everyone by telling you all about the book again. But if you do enjoy this episode, I've recorded quite a few now about these Victorian ghosts. The last one was episode 44. 44, that was a nice one, about a haunted mansion in Cardiff. So if you do enjoy it, go back and check out the other Victorian ones. Or even even better, go and buy the book. But anyway, that's the shameless plug out of the way. Let's crack on with the first story. And this one is called Strange Lights in Wrexham Cemetery and the setting for this tale is you won't be surprised to know Wrexham Borough Cemetery or at least as it was known then it might be a slightly different name now but Wrexham Borough Cemetery as it was known in the year this tale took place which is 1887 and cemeteries have long been a great location to set a ghost story for Obvious reasons, I guess. I mean, there's lots of bodies lying about. There's lots of death. There's lots of potentially lost souls floating in the atmosphere. But in reality, it's actually the opposite. Graveyards and cemeteries aren't really hotspots for seeing ghosts at all. Presumably, if there are any any restless spirits emerging from the graves, they're heading off elsewhere to do their hauntings. Graveyards themselves, not overly haunted despite the, the this very sort of eerie gothic ambience you might feel inside them but that wasn't the case in Wrexham in 1887 because their cemetery was most certainly haunted at least that's what some of the locals believed and according to the press at the time the welsh press locals walking by they they wouldn't walk inside the gates were were locked at night but walking past the cemetery along the cemetery walls they heard strange sounds sights and lights so strange sounds sights and lights were heard seen emanating from the graveyard What could it all mean? Well, the locals, the good people of Wrexham, put two and two together and assumed that these strange lights and strange sounds, it has to be ghosts. Surely, it is ghosts. And there's one incident in particular I'd like to read to you which really brought things to a head there. And this happened one normal, quiet, weekday night when, to quote, a vision appeared a vision appeared which attracted the attention of a number of people unsurprisingly really if a vision appears in a cemetery it's going to catch your attention and there were people there waiting keeping an eye out for this kind of phenomena because tales of these strange sounds and sights and lights as mentioned had been spreading around the town People were gathering to see if they could catch something themselves. And lo and behold, there in front of their very eyes is a vision. Now, this vision proved to be so popular that by nine o'clock that night, we are told the police were called to keep the peace. So many people had gathered outside surrounding Wrexham Cemetery to look at this strange vision. Or rather, I should say visions. There was more than one. There was many visions going on. And I imagine by now you are all wondering what did these visions look like? Well, we are supplied with a description because they are said to be face like sculpted faces that would flicker into light and then disappear as quickly as they appeared now nobody could get a really good clear look at them for long because they flashed into existence and then disappeared and they wondered was it the face of an angel maybe the face of a cherub it could be a man or it could be a woman it could be something more diabolical it could be demonic it could be the devil all they knew is that it flashed into existence like ghost riders flaming skull and then it was gone moments later they were transfixed and nobody knew what was going on well i say nobody there were some people who knew what was going on in particular the police knew what was going on. And what I'd like to do next is to just read a little bit of the newspaper report to you about how the police dealt with what was going on. So we are told that Sergeant Wynn and PC Rowland were soon on the spot and endeavoured to disperse the crowd. They tried to get those people away Now, as this was going on, as the police were trying to regain some sense of peace and calm, the custodian of the cemetery, who was inside the grounds, was also trying to solve this mystery, to solve this riddle. He'd worked there for however many years. He had never seen floating glowing heads before. And so he was joined by the police, the two policemen popped inside to try and get to the bottom of all this excitement as they describe it. And so they did. We are told that to quote, the ghostly character of the entertainment was produced, it appears, by the lighting of matches and thereby bringing some of the statues and monuments into prominent relief. So what we are being told is that they believe these visions, these visions of heavenly angels or whatever they might have been, were in fact being artificially created by somebody lighting matches and holding them very close to the faces of statues. So they would look like floating, eerie, like ghost rider type heads flaming glowing heads in the night and like that they would quickly disappear when the match was extinguished and to carry on with the quote this amusement could only be carried on by human agency so we're being told it wasn't ghosts lighting matches here ghosts pretended to be ghosts this was human agency and While you might be thinking, how can anyone be fooled by that? Why would anyone think it was ghosts? Well, there is a reason, apparently. And we are told that as no one was allowed to be on the premises after dark, the gates were closed. They were locked at half past five. The natural conclusion of the nervous and superstitious was that the agency was supernatural and therefore a ghost an easy mistake to make but the police are are far too practical they're not nervous and superstitious and they say there appears to have been several operators on thursday night some of whom were recognized and will be summoned while one was pounced upon in the act of striking a match and while being collared by mr morris which is the name of the custodian i mentioned earlier and while being collared by mr morris this operator who was pounced upon kicked him violently not the smartest thing to be doing really when the police are already on your tail for breaking and entering into a graveyard never mind the whole impersonating a ghost and terrifying the nervous and the superstitious he kicks out the custodian violently kicks out and the police present were called and soon took him into custody when he was locked up for the night where he remained until Friday morning, when he was given a chance to argue his case. He he didn't really have much to argue, and he was handed his fine. Now, we are told that his name was Matthias Davis. He was fined 10 shillings and 6 pence, and costs all 14 days in default. We are also told that a Richard McDermott was also charged i i am assuming he is one of the other operators they said there were several operators in the cemetery that night presumably he didn't go violently kicking people and didn't spend the night in jail as a result but there were two of them both fined and to wrap it up we are told other summonses are to be issued and we opine that the ghost will be effectively laid a very popular, a very cliched way to end a Victorian ghost story, they like to say the ghost was effectively laid whenever things are wrapped up nicely. Now, as I mentioned at the start, this episode does contain two eerie ghost stories, but one of which was found not to be true, the other one presumably is is and as i'm sure you've guessed that first tale i hope i hope you enjoyed story number one and clearly that was the one which was found to be false which means that our next story has not been found to be false do you believe it well listen on and you can make up your own mind now this one is called the mysterious white mist and it takes place a little bit later than our last tale into the new century 1901 and when i said these are both victorian tales technically technically this is sliding into the very early days of the edwardian age queen victoria sadly left this earth in january 1901 bring to an end bring to a close the victorian age and into the edwardian age And this tale also takes place in the north of Wales, not quite in the heart of Wrexham again, but we are told that a small village not 20 miles from Wrexham is where this tale takes place, where the inhabitants were startled by the appearance of a ghost. Now, sadly, I can't be more specific than that because... The newspaper didn't include the address, and it was published well over a hundred years ago. But maybe if you are familiar with the area surrounding Wrexham, maybe this description might give you some ideas on where you think it might be, and if so, as always, please get in touch, let me know on social media where you think this might be. Now To begin at the beginning, well, not not the beginning, we're halfway through the episode, but to begin at the beginning of this particular tale of ghost story number two. And as mentioned, they were startled. The inhabitants of this small village were startled by the appearance of a ghost. Now, this all happened when they were chatting together one night at about half past ten, which we are told is an early hour For the old-fashioned ghosts harper's 10 apparently is too early for ghosts which again is another of these these victorian or these ghost story cliches in a way where they say ghosts are all seen at, at midnight at the witching hour it's it's something of of a fallacy and it's something I know people when when I had Cymru paranormal on the show not so long ago the ghost hunters and they were saying that you know if people see ghosts in the daytime you go looking for ghosts in the daytime but nevertheless back then they thought Harper's 10 was a little bit too early to be seeing a ghost if you've seen a ghost before Harper's 10 again let me know on social media but i'm i'm going off on a tangent let's go back to the story to begin at at the halfway point now they were hanging around chatting and one of them noticed a being a being apparently intent on joining the party a very mysterious word being b-e-i-n-g not not a vision not an apparition not a spirit but a being And again, I I hear you ask over space and time through the internet, what the heck is a being? Well, luckily, there is a description. A shapeless mass of white had silently and mysteriously loomed up in the darkness, not 10 yards from them, and seemed to be approaching from the direction of the churchyard. Quite a lot to take in then—a in very, very short sentence, but a shapeless mass of white. I, I am assuming this is sort of misty, foggy type, type, type eerie apparition floating towards them from the churchyard. So this this shapeless mass had either either been to church or had emerged from the church, maybe once more from the graveyard or cemetery. But sadly, because we don't know exactly where this is. We don't know if there even was a cemetery there, but certainly from the direction of the churchyard. And it was at first supposed to be the work of a practical joker. Now, now these people are the sensible ones. The last people assumed it was a ghost. It turned out to be a practical joker. In this case, they assume it's a practical joker. But it turns out to be, well, I'm spoiling the end, and you, you'll find out in a few minutes what it turns out to be, or, or maybe you won't. But anyway, just bear with me. But a suggestion was made by these sensible people. See, this is what they should have done in Wrexham Cemetery. But a suggestion was made to, and I quote, pelt it with stones in brackets, a sure test in such cases. So they assumed this, Eerie, floating white blob mist that was floating towards them was a practical joker. How how you achieve that effect at the start of the Edwardian age in Wrexham? I don't know, but they assumed it was. They decided to throw stones at it to find out if I I I assume if if it gets hit on the head, it'll go ow or something, and then they know it's not supernatural. They threw the stones at it, and there was no effect. They threw stones at this being there was no effect. and while it, it doesn't specifically say this, I am assuming these stones would have just gone straight through it. maybe I mean, I'm assuming their wasn't too bad, the stones went straight through this mist. Now, one of the nobler members of the party took his life in his hands and approached the thing. No longer a being, it is now a thing. And it swiftly evaded his grasp and glided silently towards the churchyard. So this is something which we can assume has some kind of consciousness. If if it can move out of the way of somebody trying to catch it, and then I am assuming it went backwards on itself. It went back towards the churchyard it had come from. But it didn't just disappear. It didn't go... It didn't go gently into that good night to keep our Dylan Thomas references going. This ghost did not go gently at all. And to wrap up this tale, we are told that after going a few yards towards that churchyard, it gave forth some inarticulate sounds and mysteriously disappearing, returning, we suppose, to its infernal regions now i i supposed it came from the churchyard but wherever it came from the churchyard the infernal regions it was gone now the events are not as dramatic as the last tale there's no floating glowing angel heads in this one but the difference is they were categorically found to be the work of practical jokers This one was not. And what I'd like to do is to read the final paragraph to you to sum up their thoughts at the time in 1901. And we are told that some scoffers have ridiculed the possibility of ghosts. But we are sure that none of those who saw the weird thing about five foot six inches in height, the head going up to a point Apparently without arms or legs will ever forget the sight or for a moment doubt its supernatural nature. And I guess that would apply to anyone who has come across a weird thing about five foot six inches in height. The head going up to a point apparently without arms and legs. Nobody will forget that. Nobody will doubt its supernatural nature But maybe you do doubt it. Maybe you don't. That's the great thing about opinions. We can all have our own. We can choose to believe these inhabitants of a small village just outside Wrexham, or we can not. But if you'd like more convincing, there are lots more tales just like this one in the archives. There's well over 50 episodes to listen to now. Plus I upload a new episode every thursday so as always if you don't want to miss any of those please consider hitting the subscribe button and you will never miss a spooky episode ever and on that note it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and varian am grando i've been mark race this has been my ghosts and folklore podcast it's the best it's the beautiful it's the only ghosts and folklore podcast beaming to you from wales to the world until next time no star